the next episode of Nerd Flicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerd Flicks and Chill. And uh, it's kind of a tough time for everybody right now. Uh, A lot of us are uh, finding ways to deal with all this time at home because we find ourselves uh, doing this kind of social distancing, self-isolation due to coronavirus, which has become just such a major problem globally. Um, And as a lot of people are feeling stressed or uh, bored or frustrated, what we wanted to do was a podcast where we could talk about some of the things that you can watch, uh, some of our recommendations for kind of uh, surviving this uh, time indoors that you're going to have to be spending. So uh, it's kind of fun to do a show like this. It's something that, you know, Carrie, you and I kicked around uh, <laughs> while we were having dinner before the world kind of uh, took a big turn last <laughs> week. Yeah, trying to figure out, okay, there's all these movies and all these TV shows that have all been delayed or, you know, their premieres canceled and now movie theaters are even closed. It's like, what are we, what are we going to do? I mean, the Westworld just came back, so that's good. And it was just kind of talking about, you know, there's so many people that are talking about different playlists, like on Spotify, and um, so many people have posted on Facebook and whatnot. It's like, oh, okay, recommendations. I want recommendations for books I should be reading, and what are some things I should be watching on Netflix or whatever. And yeah, so this is kind of like our pandemic playlist podcast. Yeah. our stay the fuck home and watch some shit list because that's what you guys have to do right now. (laughs) Well, I mean, listen, we, we have no real social responsibility in our show, but I would say, uh, people stay home, stay home as much as possible. Do not go out unless it is absolutely necessary that you do so. Um, I, I cannot tell you how frustrating it has been, uh, when, you know, I have seen so many people not maintaining this kind of social distancing thing. Um, we, we just, we, this is kind of the only way forward right now. And the only way we're going to get ourselves out of this is to kind of go through this, this process in the short term. So, uh, it's a little short term inconvenience for hopefully the, the greater public health. Yeah. That's the thing I'm afraid of is that the, the, less likely that people are to take these recommendations. It's not going to be long before they are no longer recommended, before there's strict things that are enacted, like curfews, and um, that there's already some cities that have the shelter in place, which basically it is, you can't leave your house. You can only leave for um, essentials and important things. So no more going for walks or a casual drive. So yeah, yeah only, only, ne- only necessities. And, you know, I know that there are a lot of people out there, maybe some of the younger uh, generation that listen to our show, who may think that they are kind of invincible and that they don't have to adhere to any of these things because they're young and healthy and they got these healthy immune systems. Um, I would say that congratulations for having a healthy immune system. You still need <laughs> to stay the fuck home. Uh, well, because as as Chidi Adagonye says from The Good Place, mm. like, what do we owe to each other, right? Like... 
you may want to be out there and about doing your spring break thing, partying it up, but uh, if you contract coronavirus, you are making it not only dangerous for yourself, but for everybody you come into contact with. Yeah, that's the big thing is like me personally, I'm not afraid of getting the virus. If I do, I'm fairly healthy. I'm sure I will be fine. However, it's not the reason why we're staying home isn't to prevent any of us from getting it is to prevent us from passing it to other people. And that's as people who live in Florida, it's incredibly frustrating to see all of these people. I mean, granted, we work in a very touristy heavy place. And normally it's like, yes, tourists come spend your money. That is job security for all of us and our economy. That's great. However, right now it's like, wow. Yeah, no, don't come here because our um, so much of the people that live here in Florida are older. They're all uh, retirees that come down here. And right now we have a lot of what we call snowbirds that are here that that split part of their living um, uh, between up north and down here until the weather gets warmer up north. And a lot of them are opting to stay here because, you know, travel is is dangerous for them right now. So um, there's a lot of very vulnerable people here. And it's it's frustrating. And I know I I, trust me, I know how tempting those really low airfares are. I have a friend that lives in Vegas and I know everything in Vegas has shut down, but it was awfully tempting to buy a plane ticket to go and visit my friend because they were only thirty five dollars, which is ridiculous. So I understand the want to do that. But it's kind of like needing to look at the bigger picture. It's not. Yeah. You're not staying inside to prevent you f- yourself from getting the virus. It's to prevent you from spreading it to other people that may be vulnerable. So. Right. Anyway. And, and my part of the reason. Part of the reason we travel is to participate in culture. And if you travel yeah. to a place, it is highly unlikely that you will be able to participate in any culture right now because no. of the the condition. So it just doesn't make any sense. And yeah. it is all about what they say, flattening the curve. It's basically all about not overburdening our healthcare system. Think about all of the doctors and the nurses that are on the front line of this thing that are that are working hard to care for patients who are sick. And everything that we can do on our end to prevent the um, the the passing of this virus from one another is basically going to take take the load off of their shoulders. Like that's how we can help them by not yeah. giving them more people that they have to treat because that's we true. were irresponsible with how we went about our lives. And so one way that we can do that is to stay at home and watch movies. Damn right. So <laughs> we, you and I have both compiled lists, right? That yes. we're gonna that we're gonna talk through. So, did you have any logic behind your list? Um, not well. Yes, in a way. Most all, well, all of mine are series. I don't have any standalone movies because I want. I'm like, okay, I need something for the long haul. I need something that can either occupy me for a day or a couple days. It's not just a one and done thing. So all of mine are series. All of mine are ones that can be streamed. And really not much of what I picked is really cerebral. A lot of this is feel good. Some of it is uh, one of them is 
a guilty pleasure for sure. I'm almost embarrassed to have this on my list, but it's a really enjoyable guilty pleasure that just kind of, um, it's basically about escapism is what my overall theme is. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Escapism is good. Um, I had some things that I picked that I think were strategic. Uh, some of them will seem a little bit silly. One is um, very kind of socially and politically conscious. The other one is designed to terrify people. Uh, I picked something oh, that was designed for its rewatchability. So uh, I was kind of a little bit all over the place here. So I want to let you get started with your first selection of things that you can watch while you are self-isolating at home. <laughs> okay, this is for anybody out there that has not seen it, and it's for you, Nick. You And I think by that tone, you already know what I'm going to say. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it is the Watchmen series on HBO. It is so good. I loved it so much, and... I was skeptical because, one, I didn't like the movie. I didn't know where the series was going to go. As somebody who dearly loved Lost, but also felt jaded by how Lost ended, I I, I have an apprehension because of Damon Lindoff, who has his hands all over this series. It was like, okay, do I really want to go in there? And I watched the first episode and I was totally lost. And not in any way to do with the TV show. Uh, like, literally, I was like, kind of like me watching the first episode of this most recent um, Westworld. I was like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know when or where this happens in regards to the graphic novel, in regards to the movie. Is this a retelling? Is this, I don't know what this is. And so, I, admittedly, I had to do a little bit of research. After watching the first episode, I was intrigued by it enough to do a little bit of research because normally, and I've talked about this before with some other things, it's like, I don't want to have to get supplemental material to understand it. Right. You know, however, I was intrigued by what they were doing enough to do that. And the lovely people from New Rockstars, we have raved about them so much. They did kind of a comprehensive little episode that was about just that. When, where does this take place? You know, what is the deal with this show? And that kind of got me up to speed. And I was like, okay, now I get it. It's not a prequel. It's not a retelling. It's like a, it, it's a sequel of sorts. It happens like 30 years after the things that we saw in the movie and, and are familiar with in the graphic novels. So I was like, okay, it's, Kind of a clean slate, but there's little remnants of things dealing with in the past. But you don't have to be somebody who knows every little nitty gritty detail about that in order to follow along with this. It's almost stands alone. So uh, sad to find out that it is a standalone single season. I don't think that's what they had planned, but that's what it is. But the way that it wrapped up not like Lost, it does end with a cliffhanger, but yet it still feels incredibly satisfying. It's one of those, like, leave them wanting more, you know, don't give them too much, you know, end it here and, you know, go forth with your imagination as to what happens next. It doesn't feel unsatisfying. 
So um, it's really good. It's really interesting the way that it reveals itself, the, the pacing of it. I, I thought it was very satisfying. And I I am kind of jealous for anybody that gets to watch it all as one cohesive thing straight through and not have to wait a week before each episode. So highly recommend The Watchmen on HBO series. Very nice. It is on my list. I am planning to watch it. Please. Um, I am going to get on it and then maybe we can even do a show about it when uh, when I, I do. I love that. Yeah, get through it. I mean, this this currently is looking like we're going to have plenty of time uh, to be able to get on some of these shows. So uh, that one is one that, that you know, uh, I had a couple of other shows that I was watching at the time that Watchmen came out. So it kind of got pushed to the back burner. Plus, mm-hmm. I was doing a little bit of traveling in my uh, day job. So uh, now with all this all this home time that we're all getting, uh, it would be good to go back and check that out. But I definitely will check out Watchmen, and I think our listeners should check it out too, and then we can reconvene and talk about this. Yeah, because I would really be interested on your take to see what you think of it. Uh, and I definitely think it's a rewatchable series. So I think whenever you start it, let me know, because I kind of want to watch it along with you. Um, to, so I can see where you are and yeah, I'm, it's, oh, it's so good. There are some things that there's one thing in particular that doesn't go anywhere and it kind of frustrates me, but everything else is so wonderful. That one little thing, it's so, it's such a throwaway thing. It doesn't really mean anything, but, um, yeah, there's, there's so much in it that's really impressive and disturbing in some ways. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's so good. I think it's interesting the way that you and I have designed our lists because I feel like yours is mostly escapism and I feel yeah. like mine is a little bit more activism. Uh, so I think there's <laughs> going to be a nice, I do have some escapism, no doubt, but I, I was just the, the first movie that I'm going to talk about is just so dramatically different. And oh. I'm hoping not to be a massive buzzkill right now uh, oh, as I great. introduce my first film. I do have a prediction, though. I predict, I think, I have a good hunch that we are going to have something on our list that are the same. Just one thing. I think there's only one thing on each of our lists. I'm pretty sure that we both have it on there. Okay. 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 And with uh, that, your movie, that's going to be a buzzkill. All right. So the first movie <laughs> that I am selecting here that I would recommend everybody watch is The Big Short directed by Adam McKay from 2015, Oscar-nominated film. And there's a reason why I chose this. And I chose this to kind of be somewhat topical and relevant to the time. So the big short, for those of you guys who um, have not seen it, came out in 2015. Uh, it's directed by Adam McKay. It has just one of the most loaded casts you'll ever see. Uh, Christian Bale, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt, um, Margot Robbie has a brief cameo in it. Anthony Bourdain has a brief cameo in it. Marissa oh Tomei. Uh, it's one of the most loaded casts that you'll ever see for a film. And what this film does is it chronicles the um, 2009 um, banking crisis when the the um, housing market collapsed and how that there were a few people who saw what was coming on the front end of it. They bet against the big banks and they uh, made a fortune. 
And well, good. So you can prepare yourself for the financial crisis we're getting ready to go into. Well, there's a reason why <laughs> I, I mentioned that. And, and I think it's very important. And I understand that, that right now people are going through a time where they are stressed out. They're concerned about their own jobs. They're concerned about feeding their families. They're concerned about taking care of their families. They're basically overwhelmed and saying, how am I going to do all this? And I understand that. But I also think it is very important right now for American citizens in particular to kind of keep their eyes on the actions of government. One of the big things about the big short, it is about how the big financial institutions at the time behaved in abhorrent ways with Mm. complete disregard for the law. They were completely irresponsible. And one of the conclusions that this movie comes to I mean, you guys all know what happened with the housing crisis, so that's not really spoiling anything. But one of the conclusions that this movie comes to is that the banks behaved that way not because they were um, stupid or negligent. They behaved that way because at the end of the day, they knew that the American public was going to bail them out, that the taxpayer dollars would be used for a bailout for their for their banks. For their, and there were no consequences for their unethical behavior. And I think that lesson is very important to the things that are happening right now. Uh, you are seeing industries right now asking for bailout money. Uh, one of them that you've seen is the airline industry yeah. that's asking for like a $50 million bail, $50 billion bailout. It's just this ex- excessive amount of money. And I think as Americans, we need to be careful about just paying attention to where that money is going and, you know, that situation. Because, uh, you know, the airlines are asking for $50 billion right now. But as it turns out, over the past several years, the major airlines have been taking about 95% of their profit and putting it into their own stock, basically purchasing their own stock. They're called stock buybacks. So they oh shit. They took their profits, they purchased their own stock, then a catastrophe came, and their stock values have dwindled, and now they're running out of money. So mm. their own unethical behavior has prevented them from being able to make any profit or have anything for a rainy day, uh, or an industry downturn, or a catastrophe. And through their own unethical behavior, they find themselves now in a situation where they are too big to fail, just as though the banks were too big to fail back in, you know, 2009. So um, I think that The Big Short as a movie is a very, uh, it's very entertaining. It's very funny. It has great performances. I love Steve Carell in this movie. Uh, I love the way they take something really complicated like mortgage-backed securities and synthetic CDOs and they have ways of explaining them that are very uh, fun and funny. Uh, they do something involving Margot Robbie that's really great. Anthony Bourdain, they do something with him that's really great. In terms of how they explain these things, uh, there's a lot of fourth wall breaking and talking to the audience because it's kind of like a guided tour through the financial crisis. So I love this movie. I think it's an important movie and you know I don't want to be a buzzkill by getting too political and too social and to activist, but I think it's just an important movie for the time. That's awesome. Because I, I was kind of like, Nick, where are you going with this? Because it's a movie that I'm not, I have, I have not seen it. So um, and even after hearing this amazing cast that was there, I was like, this does not sound great. <laughs> and then once you mentioned that you know it's comical and it's like okay okay now you've got me back i'm back into it now 
Yeah, I knew there was a lot of cl- a critical acclaim uh, involved with it, but I, I, I have not seen it. It's terrific. It's terrific, and I think it's important, and it's timely. Do you know if it's um, available to stream anywhere? Uh, I know that you can rent it on either iTunes or on Amazon. Oh, perfect. It used to be, uh, for anybody uh, watching or listening to us internationally, I know that uh, Netflix and some other countries will actually carry it. So I think in Canada, uh, if you have Netflix, I think the Big Short is available there. If not, you can find it on Amazon. But totally recommend it. All right. So um, speaking of international, uh, my next pick is actually a series that is from the UK. Uh, It is available if you have a subscription to Hulu. I think they have two seasons, if I'm not mistaken, on Hulu. There are four seasons total, uh, but two of them are on Hulu. Uh, You can see the entire series um, through BritBox, which is... um, a, a streaming service or not a service, but it's like a, it's like an app. It's a channel that you can download. And like, if you have Apple TV or um, a fire stick or a Roku, uh, be able to use that, but you can also get it through Amazon as well. BritBox has a partnership with Amazon, totally not sponsored. Um, and that's how I did it because they had a trial and it was highly recommended to me by a lot of the people that I worked with when I was on tour, majority of them were all from the UK And so I started watching this show. It's called Inside Number Nine. And what it is, it's all these um, individual episodes, kind of similar to like how Black Mirror is, how they're individual episodes. They don't have anything necessarily to do with each other. So you can watch them in any order. It doesn't matter. Um, So it's like a series of short stories, basically. And it's written by these two guys and these two guys that write them. They also are in each of the episodes and they are fucking amazing. The writing and their portrayal of all these different characters and the way sometimes they're completely unrecognizable. It's amazing the way like the hair and makeup that they do on them. Um, it's so what it is called inside number nine because it always takes place in either a house or a room or it could even be a, a train car and they're always number nine. So like that's the address. That's the name of the that's the number of the train car. That's so it's always somewhere that's numbered nine. And it just happens. It all happens within that one space. And this is some of the best writing I have ever seen on TV. Some of it's really funny. Some of it's completely dark and twisted. And they even have one episode where there's no dialogue whatsoever. Oh, cool. And it's some of the most amazing acting I have ever seen where it's it's completely nonverbal. And it and that episode in particular, it involves two cat burglars that are trying to steal a painting from a house and so they're trying to be really quiet and it's just it's brilliant and you will see lots of british actors that just pop up out of nowhere a lot of people from game of thrones people from harry potter 
it's amazing. The writing is fantastic. And a lot of the episodes have, and I don't want, I don't like saying things like this because I don't want you to go into it with this expectation. However, I did go into it with that expectation because this is how it was explained to me. And even with this knowledge, it does not ruin it. Uh, most of the episodes have some kind of a twist in them. And the vast majority of the vast majority of them are out of left field because I think that I have it figured out and I totally don't. <laughs> and it's so good. Highly, highly recommend Inside Number Nine. Like I said, if you have a subscription to Hulu or if you um, subscribe to BritBox or you're from the UK, um, I'm sure you know this show. It's from a couple years ago blows me away. Like I said, some of the best writing I have ever seen with a series. It's incredible. That's awesome. That's one that uh, I also have on my list of things to watch, thanks to you. Uh, Thank you. It, it, it sounds like it's right up my alley. I really dig those kind of stories like that. Those, those kind of like, um, I don't know, it sounds kind of like, is it like kind of like sci-fi noir kind of style? Nothing that I've seen is sci-fi. It's mm. not sci-fi. It's not like how Black Mirror is, how it takes place in the future. Um, well, actually, one of the episodes took place in the past. Like, they were doing, like, a witch trial <laughs> was oh, one nice. of them. So there was one that was a witch trial. There's one that takes place um, in a train car. There's one that takes place in a in a um, a really well-to-do house, because it's with cat burglars trying to steal a painting. There's one that takes place in a call center. There's one that takes place... Um, one is in a man in a mansion, but it's in one room in a mansion. Um, another one is on a set of like a show that's almost like um, candid camera or like a hidden camera show. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the entire episodes just take place in that one location. And awesome. sometimes they don't even leave that one room. It's amazing. Very cool. Very. Yeah, cool. I that- think I think you will like it very much. I will definitely, I will definitely check that one out as well. See, so so far we, you have two things that I haven't seen. I've had one thing that you haven't seen. I think that's probably going to change with some of the rest of mine. <laughs> Maybe, but you know what's crazy is as we're having this conversation, um, I am like adding things to my list. So yeah, at the that's end, the how many did you pick? I picked five. Well, okay. actually, I picked six. I have five, and then a bonus. Okay, cool. I can do five in yeah. a bonus also. Cause I have like an honorable mention that I want to put in there. But like some of my choices are also very obvious. I think you've found some things. Although Watchmen is very popular. Um, I feel like your, your, uh, your second choice, not as popular. So I think that was a little bit more niche. I think my yeah. next choice is probably way popular. Um, but I don't give a damn. I like it. So my next choice is Knives Out. Um, I, that's on my list because I have not, not meaning on my list on this list with us talking list, meaning that's on my to watch list. I have uh, not seen it yet. It's in, it's in my virtual queue. Knives Out is one of my favorite films of 2019. It is just a joy to watch. It is fun. It's funny. It's like a love letter to kind of mystery, uh, whodunit filmmaking i i just love this movie 
There are little details that you can go back and look at, you know, the way things happen. There's uh, an interesting way that a baseball ties a story thread together. There are little things, the way the camera moves to kind of reveal uh, all these different, you know, things that are happening within the story. It's one of these stories that... Uh, everything is unfolding, you know, on screen with the actors and the dialogue, but there are also little visual cues that are telling you what's happening. And one of the things that I love about this movie is it just has this kind of endless rewatchability factor. There are certain movies that are just endlessly rewatchable, you know, yeah. and I think this is one of those movies where um, it just has all of this... Uh, it's just so chock full of great little storytelling details. And it's just a labor of love from Ryan Johnson. The accent of uh, Benoit Blanc, the character played by Daniel Craig, is just one of my favorite things that I've ever heard in a movie. <laughs> uh, there's just so many great character choices that all these actors make. The cast is loaded. Jamie Lee Curtis and Don Johnson and... Chris Evans and, you know, Michael Shannon. You do get Michael Shannon rage, which is just one of my favorite things to see in a movie. You know, uh, Christopher Plummer. I mean, it's just so many people in that cast that are, that are just terrific. So, uh, I really love Knives Out and I totally recommend it. It is fun. It's entertaining. It's a great movie. It's endlessly rewatchable. The impression that I got when I've seen the trailers and such for it is that it's like a modern day take on Clue. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's I've not only just heard you rave about it because you've raved about it to me before we talked about this, but other people have, too. And um, it came out while I was on tour. And so I have a backlog of movies. I've just been waiting for them to come and be available to stream um, so I can kind of catch up. And that is definitely one of them uh, that, yes, I need to watch that. It's 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 on my list. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, you've got two things I haven't seen and I've had two things you haven't seen. Yeah. Fantastic. I, the one thing that I think you have seen, I will save that towards the end if okay. you don't say it first um so the next one that i have again is another series all of minor series uh and this one is also available on netflix and it's called afterlife and it's by ricky gervais and again another uk thing i've been very influenced by the uk <laughs> um, <laughs> over the past year and a half um uh, so this series takes place uh, after the passing of Ricky Gervais's characters, again, don't ask me character names, uh, wife, Her, his wife has passed and it's kind of him going on. It's afterlife, I mean, his life after his wife has passed. Right. And it's just kind of it, it doesn't sound all that exciting. And in fact, it sounds quite depressing. You know, but it's Ricky Gervais. And if you like his type of humor where it can be dry and sometimes a little edgy and well, even sometimes he's always a bit edgy, a little edgy, sometimes a little uncomfortable, but yet still funny. So like a dark humor to it. But with heart, this show, this series has so much heart to it and really gives you hope. And that is something that I think is so needed right now with, I mean, everything that's going on right now and what so many people have been dealing with up into this point. I've never seen so many people so stressed out and 
I'm not going to lie. There are some tearjerker moments in this series, but there are just some laugh out loud things. There are some things that just like, oh, it just really gets at your heartstrings and it makes you really feel and give you hope for humanity (laughs) and and seeing the best in other people. And it just it shocked me knowing that it was from Ricky Gervais. I had a preconceived notion of how I thought this was going to go. And in sometimes it did, but there was so much heart to it that, and it's so easily watchable. I think we watched almost the entire series in one afternoon. Wow. Because it just, they're just, they're short. They're really, each episode is really short and it just goes one right to the next. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh my God, we're already halfway through. Well, might as well just keep going. And it's, it's amazing. Highly recommend it. I, in fact, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. Very really, cool. really good stuff. Yeah. And I've I've really enjoyed some of the work that Ricky Gervais has put out over the years. Uh you know, obviously the office. And I really love the show Extras that he did. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. you know, he has a really it's interesting to me the how much heart he is able to get into uh the things that he puts out there because I also feel like a lot of his stand up is very uh his POV and stand up is like kind of cynical. Yeah, oh very much so. So it's you just would not know it by watching this. Yeah, that kind of uh the the range of that is just fascinating to me when performers can can do things like that. Yeah. So this um I and again I think this is another series that you would really enjoy and it is available on Netflix. Awesome. So you talked about how that series makes you hopeful. Um Unfortunately, I'm about to take all of that hope <laughs> and and throw it out the window because the the series that I'm going to recommend uh is going to just scare the ever loving hell out of you. Um Oh good. It, yeah, and it's topical. Uh it is called Even better. It is called Pandemic. Oh, for the love and this is a documentary series that came out uh, about a year ago. And one of the things that it talks about is kind of the, the state of the world and how susceptible we are to a global pandemic. Uh, mm. it, yeah. I mean, who'd have thunk? It is very much predictive of the things that have happened, uh, you know, over the past year that have kind of led us to this circumstance. And it talks about, some of the things that we are concerned about right now in terms of um, coronavirus and its ability to overwhelm the healthcare system. They focus on things like hospitals that are in rural areas that only have one doctor overseeing the entire hospital. And even uh, something as common as a flu outbreak can result in, in kind of a local calamity there because of the inability to treat it, the inability of resources. Um, and it basically talks about these people that are on the front lines working to understand these different strains of influenza, where they originate, uh, how they originate, how they're spread, and ultimately how to treat them. It talks about um, how people work to come up with vaccines and cures and you know, how they go about getting funding for them and, and some of those different things as well. Uh, it is a series that will absolutely terrify you, absolutely terrify you. And, um, 
it's also something that I think is incredibly important for this time. And aside from Knives Out, I feel like my list is kind of a buzzkill, but um, I do feel like it's an important thing to watch right now. Yeah, it sounds like it could be educational. Like it could almost be a guidebook. Yeah. You know, going forward to have arm yourself with knowledge. It's, and I don't know if it's, uh, better to watch it now as things are so early in the downfall or, <laughs> um, it sounds so doomsday. Um, so early in the uptick in everything that we're, um, experiencing to watch it now to kind of prepare yourself and, and maybe educate yourself, or is it better to maybe watch it a little bit later to see is like, yeah, that panned out exactly the way that they said it would. I think it's so, important to watch to understand kind mm, of how we got to where we are. Gotcha. And what right. trajectory we're on if we don't make some improvements. Ah, uh, well, that's another one for my list. You're three for three now with things <laughs> I have not seen. Yes. And like, yeah, but I feel like our lists are, are diverging, but I will get back on track with my <laughs> next one, but you first. Oh, okay. Um, so this is one, um, it's a, again, it's a series, uh, that's based on a movie. And the second season of this series is getting ready to start, I hope, if things, if things panned out, not start to film, but to air. I know that even release of things, even things that have been completed already, they've changed the release of. But being that this is a TV show, I have a feeling it'll still come out. It's not a movie. Um, and it's what we do in the shadows. Yes. I dearly, dearly love the movie. Starring and written by Taika Waititi, who I just have an absolute love affair with, of uh, admiration. I love this man so much. I know a lot of he's his type of humor isn't for everybody, especially if you your first um, exposure to him was through Thor Ragnarok, and if you are a Thor purist. I could understand how he might be upset by it. I dearly love him and everything that he has touched, seen all of his movies. And so then I was very skeptical when they said, Oh, we're going to do an American offshoot. And I was like, Nope, it's going to be crap. I'm not, I'm not even interested. I don't want to have anything to do it. There's no way that it's going to be as good as the movie was. And it totally is. I love it. Absolutely. I love the series so much. And I wish. Uh, I, I no longer have a subscription to Hulu and I might have to change that. Um, I don't have any way to go back and rewatch the first season. Um, so I'm desperately waiting for the second season to start. I wanted to rewatch the, the first season. It's so funny. Mm -hmm. It's, I, I absolutely love it and I cannot wait for it to come back. And so if you liked the movie, but like me, you were a little skeptical when you see anything that's made from overseas and like, Oh, we're going to do an American take on it. No, I, that's not going to be good. Uh, yeah, this one is, it kind of took me an episode or so to kind of get into the groove of it to realize that they weren't trying to remake the movie. And that's what I was afraid that they were going to be doing. It's like a companion to the movie. And there are some amazing cameos. Yes, there are. And yeah, oh, it's just, I love it. And it's the same type of humor 
uh, that is in the What We Do in the Shadows movie, where it's like documentary style and it's very dry. And I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, but it is totally mine. Absolutely. Two I, lumps of sugar and some milk, please. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I I love Nandor. He is my favorite character in that show. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, the the very idea of Colin Robinson as kind of the energy vampire. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. How, because oh my gosh, how many people have we worked with that are like that? It's <laughs> right. It's so true. Right. Yeah. I love that show. I think that show was a. A really, really great um, kind of follow-up to the movie, or I guess kind yeah. of like sequel to the movie. Um, and I mean, you could also put the movie on your list, too, if you wanted to, because the movie's so oh, damn totally. good. And like Jemaine Clement, also just terrific in the in the film and part of the creative kind of team that brought that, that brought that up. Well, even Taika Waititi, I, oh God, I just, like I said, I just, like, if I ever have the chance to meet him, if I ever have, if I'm ever so lucky to be able to work with him, that would be a dream. I just want to give him a hug. I just, <laughs> there's so many people that I just admire and have just so much love for. It's like, I just want to hug you and say thank you. And he is one of those people. Awesome. Although not right now because social distancing. I'll give him a firm kid and play kick step yeah. is how I've been greeting people. Yeah. I'm showing my age by saying I mean, what is the, like, what is the, the moratorium on, like, hugging people? Is that, like, eight months? Are we going eight months and no hugs for, with people? I'm <laughs> okay with know. that. Uh, you're okay with that? I'm not. I mean. Because my, my closest <laughs> friends, we always greet each other with a big hug. And it's so awkward now when I see people. It's like, I don't know what to do. It's not like I, I I left this one off of my list, but I probably should have included Curb Your Enthusiasm just because of Larry David being a neat freak would be just kind of so perfect for <laughs> this Monk. right now. Monk would be a good one for that too. Yeah. Isn't he like a total germaphobe? Um, I never uh, watched that series, but I think that's what it is a detective right. that's a complete germaphobe. <laughs> So for my next one, I'm going to admit that this is kind of a cheat because it's not one movie, but many it's, but it is a series. And I, this is one that I think that, that you know very well, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and just put it out there. <laughs> Mystery Science Theater 3000 also, hey! also I'm going to include in that anything from Riff Tracks as well. Yeah. Uh, the, Rift Tracks MST3K library is amazing. It, I, I don't know how many films are on there. I know MST3K has 12 seasons that you can dig up, almost 200 episodes, maybe a little more than that. Uh, I think Rift Tracks has done 11 years worth of content. So, um, honestly, I feel like it's very much of our generation. And I don't know about if younger generations are as into it as we are. Uh, I went to a live MST3K show, um, you know, a little over a year ago, and it was mostly an older crowd, although there were some younger people there. But for those of you who are not uh, familiar with MST3K or Riff Tracks, uh, it's it's like... I don't know. I, I've, my list has been kind of heavy to this point with Pandemic and The Big Short. I mean, Knives Out is fun, but like... These are also bad films, and I just kind of love the idea of bad films in a way. Like, I guess there's a difference, and I, and you and I have talked about this kind of uh, off off mic, I guess, where we take a movie like Suicide Squad, like that you and I both can't stand. 
that okay. movie was very cynical. It was cynically put together. It's this mm. idea of like, you know, a lot of money being thrown at a film saying, just put this out there because the kids will like it. And, you know, I think we understand and can comprehend that kind of cynical filmmaking. But what MST3K and riff tracks do are they look at films and kind of poke fun at them for how they tried so hard and failed so spectacularly like there's something admirable about filmmakers who put all of their passion and creativity into something and it just does not go well and i don't know there's something just fascinating about it and MST3K and Rift Tracks have both been able to, over the years, find a tone that it's not snark. It's rather like done with this kind of love for cinema. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just all done in jest. And I just have always loved it. And, um, you know, if I had to pick certain ones, um, the Loves of Hercules, always a mm. great one for the new, uh, seasons, the newer seasons. Uh, yeah. with Jonah Ray of MST3K and for Rift Tracks, the guy from Harlem and Samurai Cop. Those had me laughing so much. My gears are grinding right now because I think I might be able to pull off something really cool. Okay. Because I have I have a connection to MST3K. I have a couple connections to MST3K. And I want to try to flex them. <laughs> so Nate, if you're listening, I know you listen to our podcast. And hopefully I will have talked to you before you listen to this podcast. In fact, after we're done recording this, I'm going to send you a message. <laughs> uh yeah, I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try and see if uh, uh, I, uh spoiler alert I'm gonna try and see if we can get a special guest on our show. Yeah, that would be that great. has a connection with MST3K because um, right now I know he's got nothing going on because their tour just ended. So <laughs> they just did a tour. He was home uh, after the tour. Uh, my friend Nate uh, was crow on MST3K. So. Um, I'm 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 putting it out there right now. I'm bold. Nice. And I'm going to put it out there right now to see if we can get him on the show and <laughs> talk like about their process. Well, you know, MST3K um was such a part of my love of movies. Like I remember as a kid, you know, as a a young kid and then as a teenager and even into college watching Mystery Science Theater in all of its different incarnations with the different hosts and the different networks that it made its way through. Totally. it's, It's so responsible for my love of movies because the movies that they were kind of being, it it was, it's, it's just such a simple premise of being snarky about movies with your friends. But it's also like the, the jokes aren't necessarily mean. It's just meant to be kind of like gently poking fun at some of these films. Um, which is something that we don't really do now. Now, if you make a bad movie, you are evil and awful and just the worst person in the world uh, because internet discourse sucks but um, these jokes are really funny they're kind of like just gentle ribbings about some of the different things that are in films Uh, and I don't know they've always made me smile and you can watch them for hours and hours and hours 
which is perfect because that's what we have right now. Yes. What are you going to do with the time that is given? So says Gandalf. Um, okay. So I have two selections left. My last one on my list. And then I have one that is my guilty pleasure bonus thing. So the last official recommendation on my list, again, is a series, is one that is available for streaming on Netflix, and it is the show The Good Place. Oh, yeah. If nobody has seen this, you should. If you have seen it, watch it again. But watch it again after you've listened to their podcast, there is a good show or good show. <laughs> There's a good place podcast that goes into each of the episodes and talks about the making of and it's fascinating. If you are at all interested in how things are done, things are made, how things um, behind the scenes this is with the writers of the show. It's with the stars of the show. It's them solely talking about the show. It's so good. Talking about their process from auditioning to pitching it to filming it. And the majority of the people, even some of the directors, not knowing the twist that happens at the end of season one, there were people that were directing episodes that did not know where the show was going. Because they they kept it away from them. They only let certain people know what was going on with the show. And so they had to film it. And the people that did know had to kind of be like, can we, does this, is this part of the, the narrative? Like they had code words for each other that they could say without giving things away to other people to give it. It's just, it's fascinating that there's, there were people that they, they couldn't wear red. There were certain people that couldn't be seen with other people at the same time. There were all these little things that you don't realize when you first watch it and that you listen to this podcast. It sounds like I'm promoting the podcast more than the show. Um, it's a companion piece uh, that you go back and watch it after hearing about what they did to accomplish that episode. And it makes you appreciate it on another level. Uh, but I mean, not only that, I think the show is brilliant. It's written by, was it Michael, Michael Shore? Yep. His name is, uh, that did, um, um, Parks and Rec. Yep. And The Office. And, uh, and The Office. And so, yes, again, if you like that dry humor, obviously I am a huge fan. Uh, you will like this show. And, but at the same time, kind of like what I said with the Ricky Gervais one, this show has so much heart and I was really blown away by how deep this show really got, how light it can be, but then how deep and quite li literally philosophical yeah. that this show gets. I mean, it's it's four seasons and it was so sad to learn that the show is ending, but I have to say out of any show that I have ever seen, I have never watched one so that that ran multiple seasons that felt like such a complete package. Yeah. It was probably one of the most satisfying endings to a show I've ever experienced. Yeah, they really did stick the landing with that final episode with kind of this very profound and um 
the ending was just profound. I thought it was terrific. Yeah. It's a great show. I, I love The Good Place. I think it's very funny. Um, I love Jason Mendoza and I love Chidi. I, you know, I love Eleanor. I like Janet. Yeah. Oh, Janet's Janet. my absolute yeah. favorite. Tahani. They're just such great characters. <sighs> yeah. Um, so I loved, I loved seeing them, you know, uh, in their different circumstances throughout the show. One of the things that I love to do, I am a massive fan of Michael Shore. Mm. So I like to go through The Office, Parks and Rec, and uh, The Good Place. And I have not gotten into Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is another one of the, the shows that he did. But there are little connections that you can actually make uh, between mm. things that are um, in his uh, in his kind of wheelhouse. Like, there have been miniature horses in all three of those shows. Like, there are all kinds of little things that have happened <laughs> in all three series. And I have watched mm. The Office, like, hundreds of times and Parks and Rec hundreds of times. And I've watched The Good Place a lot, too. So one of the fun, thi- one of the fun things that you can do is just find little story points that exist across all three shows. I love that. And there's a lot uh, more than you would think. There's a lot more wow. than you would think. Okay. Oh, see now, now I get to watch it again on an even, uh, even another level, uh, another, another level. Um, so yeah, out of, out of everything that I had, that was the one thing that I thought there was a possibility we would each have it on our list because I knew that was something that you really enjoyed. Yeah. I, I love the good wrong. place. I did not put it on my list, but I do love that show. Okay. Cause I know my next thing. I know you won't have it on your list. And if you do, I will actually be shocked <laughs> because I'm almost embarrassed that I'm giving it. But I am. It's it's a guilty pleasure and it is what it is. Um, my last one <laughs> before I actually I do have some honorable mentions, but um, my last one is a show that I think is brilliant. It was an idea that I thought was silly when I first heard it. You know, Breaking Bad is widely considered to be one of the best shows in the history of television and rightly so. It's a great show. Um when they announced that they were doing a little spinoff called Better Call Saul, I thought there is no way that that character could sustain its own show and be interesting and compelling. And as it turns out, Better Call Saul is a fantastic show. It is, it, it's one of the best shows on television. I, I, there's no other way to describe it. And, you know, while Breaking Bad was this kind of monumental story about this one average man's kind of descent into being a criminal, you know, uh, mastermind, it, it's about how a man falls. And even though that's one of the greatest shows of all time and, and, and people could think, well, how could Better Call Saul ever possibly top that? There are certain aspects, and I'm not saying that the show is necessarily better. I'm saying that there are certain aspects of its story that it executes better than what Breaking Bad did. Uh, Better Call Saul kind of takes this character who is, you know, in Breaking Bad, this just sleazebag criminal attorney with the word criminal in quotation marks uh criminal attorney who skirts every rule is a pain in the ass of everybody in law enforcement and in the judicial system but yet they took that character that kind of cartoon character and they gave him depth and emotion and seriousness and um 
responsibility and, and they, they just fleshed out this character so well that you have this unbelievable emotional attachment to him and to, to watch him become that person who he was in Breaking Bad is, um, it, it's not just, it, it's, it's about how somebody gets broken down through circumstances that are kind of beyond their control. Somebody who is trying to do the right thing and just does not have things work out in their own way. So they use their own intellect, they use their own resourcefulness, and they become this other person. And, uh, you know, that show continues just to blow me away. It's in its fifth season right now. Terrific cast. Uh, they have a lot of the Breaking Bad characters that have crossed over into that show and have shown up. So to me, it's something that is definitely something that if you haven't seen yet and if you've been waiting to kind of jump onto that series now is the perfect time to watch better call Saul. i remember starting it i have no idea at what point i stopped it was airing at a time in my life where i had a lot of upheaval so uh i did not continue with it but it was something that was always kind of in the back of my mind one because you always mentioned it and two because of just the amount of praise and accolades and awards and everything that has been nominated for and won um so yeah that's another one i can add to my list awesome awesome yeah so what is your kind of sixth (laughs) choice honorable mention i'm dying to know like I said, I'm almost, <laughs> I'm almost kind of embarrassed. Uh, it, it's again, it's a series. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think how you can stream it. It's a, it's a series that's in its third, I believe it's third season and its third season is actually airing currently. Um, <laughs> and it is, the show the masked singer wow wow <laughs> it is pure escapism it's stupid and it's fun and it blows me away the people that they get on that show yeah but more than anything the uns unsung funny uh, singing masked singer um that was not planned the unsung heroes of this show are the costume designers because the costumes that they make for this some of them are absolutely incredible and then the backup dancers the backup dancers are giving it like full out (laughs) insane choreography and they are sometimes wearing the stupidest shit like spandex body suits with like ice cream cone on their head it's like it's the dumbest stuff but they are like giving it life and i'm like they are the most professional people i've ever seen in my entire life but it's it's amazing the people that they get on the show the fun that we have had watching it is trying to figure out who the people are and i will say when we watched the first season there were a lot of them that we were able to figure out but this most recent season i have not figured out anybody but like an example of some of the people so the premise of it is if you don't know is they have you see this big like character costume and inside that character costume is a famous person whether it be 
like a notorious type famous person, whether some of them are singers, some of them are not. Some of them are sports figures, which if it's anybody from sports, I automatically don't know who they are um, <laughs> for the most part. Um, there have been a very small handful of people that are have been on the show that I'm like, I don't know who that is. But for the most part, it's like, holy shit, I can't believe this person just did that. Like they had Dionne Warwick was one of them. Spoiler alert. Um, Patty LaBelle was one. They had, um, uh, I don't even know if I want to go and give more of them because I don't want to give it away. Because it's just, it's fascinating to listen to the panel of judges try to figure out who some of them are. And it kind of blows me away with how astute some of their guesses are and how they get to that point. And you'll hear some of these performers. It's like, okay, that voice is so familiar. I should, but why do I not know who this is? And um, it's just, it's stupid fun. It's it's mindless fun. And it's interesting to see the costumes. It's interesting to see the dancers. And it's really interesting to see the people that they have that are doing this. The most recent one, I'm going to totally give this as a spoiler alert because Nobody saw this coming. I did not either. Like I said, none of, not all of them are even singers. And this person totally was not a singer, but this was so out of left field. I was like, what is this show? And that, I think that was the time where we were trying to figure out our list. I'm like, I'm totally putting this down as my pick because this is so weird. This person was dressed up as like a rainbow bear, not like, not like a care bear, but it was like a tie dyed looking like bear. Sing, sang, in quotation marks, Baby Got Back, mm. and it was Sarah Palin. Yeah. I saw that and thought the world was ending. <laughs> and then it did. Yeah. Because that is the week that everything fell apart. So it, and it did. Um, it's the weirdest show. And like I said, I'm embarrassed to have it on there, but it is mindless fun to kind of sometimes even just have in the background and only pay attention to when they're unmasking somebody to figure out who it is. Um, yeah. If you just want to shut your brain off for a little while, I I recommend it. Yeah. I don't think I'll, <laughs> I'll probably watch that one. No, I know this is, that was totally not be for you. This is, this is not for you <laughs> at all. Well, Yeah. I think seeing Sarah Palin singing "Baby Got Back" for me either was like I, that. That is really all I know about that show is just seeing that that one thirty second clip, and it was honestly, awful. I was like, "Oh boy, um, yeah, it was awful." These are these are the end times indeed. Mm-hmm. It was awful. Um, yeah, it's not normally something that I would gravitate towards at all. Um, I got into it. Because it was on Hulu, when I used to have a subscription to Hulu, um, I had to make some cuts, and Hulu was one of them that went. Um, kind of regretting that now. But anyway, um, it was kind of a thing that I had heard people talking about it, and I was on break at home from the tour, and it was like I didn't really know what to watch. And I think somebody, a friend of mine on Facebook had just posted about it, and I was like, oh, let me let me watch. And it's like, Next thing you know, you're like, oh, gosh, we're like three episodes in. But now I want to figure out who that person is. Who's who's the rabbit? OK, who's the butterfly? I, I, God, I have to watch it. And so it was funny. We ended up watching them, but then just fast forwarding to the end so we could see who they were. 
<laughs> so a lot of times we didn't even watch the whole thing. We just we watched like a little bit just to kind of get the gist of it. And then we would just fast forward it to the end to see who the people were. And it was really <laughs> fascinating who they got. So there you go. That's a way to watch it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there you go. So for my last pick, and like I had a hard time here. I was like, I, I wanted to go with something kind of classic. So, and there are tons of great things that you can watch. Like the West Wing is classic, and I think it's a great time to watch that. You know, it like Lord of the Rings now would be a great time to do something really hopeful oh, yeah. and epic like that. Like that series, and you can spend a lot of time with that. Avengers Endgame, since this all kind of since basically 2020 has kind of a Thanos kind of vibe to it, uh, Avengers yeah, it Endgame that. would be a really great choice. Um, the one that I chose as kind of my honorable mention is one that is on Disney Plus right now, and it used to be one of my favorite shows, and I am just rediscovering how much I love this show, and that is The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. I can tell you that as a kid, and I am old enough to remember when The Simpsons first started and how Bart Simpson was basically going to be, like, the thing that drug us all to hell as a society, um... I remember watching it in its early seasons and even up through like high school and maybe even into my first year of college. So like kind of from its inception for the first 10 years, I knew The Simpsons very, very well. And then I just kind of got away from it. And so that means I have about 20 years worth of episodes of The Simpsons that I can go back and dig into. And yeah. I am blown away by how sharp well-written, topical, funny, predictive, uh, and just incredibly well-performed that show is. I mean, I have seen them do stuff that is so phenomenal. Um, it still makes me laugh every time I watch it. I just, it's, it's terrific. And, uh, I am so glad that, you know, through Disney Plus, I'm able to go back and kind of, catch up on some of these episodes that I missed because oh they're just they're just so freaking good you know there's there's one where the family uh goes to Kissimmee Florida on vacation for a getaway and it's just hilarious if you ever lived in the Orlando area um they just they have had so many great seasons so many great episodes great Halloween episodes great Christmas episodes just uh it's a wonderful show and um yeah, I mean, if you're like me and you watched it for years and kind of like just abandoned it, it is a great time to pick it up. Do you know that my tour, Walking with Dinosaurs, was spoofed on The Simpsons? Oh, was it really? Yeah, we are the we are the whole opening of one of the episodes. Awesome. Do you do you know which episode? <laughs> I don't know the number, but the name of it is called The Book Job. Okay. Let's see. So, yeah, they, because I distinctly remember when we played the Staples Center in L.A., there were a lot of people that they would bring up into the area that we called the lounge. It was called the Voodoo Lounge. And it was where us as the Voodoo Puppeteers, it's where we performed the dinosaurs. We were basically in the audience, like where you would see the um, sound and lighting and stage management or show caller and there was, we would have our own platform and it was always a popular place for if there was any kind of notable celebrities or whatever they would always bring them to the lounge usually during intermission or something to kind of show hey these are the performers that do the dinosaurs yeah i was usually always there so here carrie while you explain how we do it 
when I distinctly remember being introduced to somebody and I don't remember what their name was. This is so-and-so. They're a writer for The Simpsons. And I was like, oh, cool. And it was, you know, there's this person and this person. And like, I remember meeting Seth Green and there were all these people that came through. But it always stood out in my mind. Like, oh, there was a writer for The Simpsons. That's so cool. And then it was a number of months later that was like, holy shit, they just spoofed us on The Simpsons. <laughs> and like, you could tell they really paid attention. It was like they even had the like cadence of our um like narrator of the show down and it was so funny. Like, so the whole Simpsons family goes to an arena to see, but it's so funny because our show is called Walking with Dinosaurs, but you go to an arena and you're sitting down. So, and the Simpsons is called Sitting with Dinosaurs. <laughs> and like they had the dinosaurs and you could see that there was the, the chassis that the dinosaurs were on. It was just, oh my gosh, it's hilarious. And so, yes, I have been spoofed on the Simpsons. That's terrific. Yeah. That's terrific. I, that show is just so great. I'm trying to look it up right now. I, I cannot type and talk at the same <laughs> time. Um, so Simpsons book job. Uh, let's see. Season 23, episode six. Awesome. There so you there go. you go. Season 23, episode six opens with the Simpsons family going to see my show, basically. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So I feel like we've given our listeners quite a few things to kind of at least get started on or some suggestions for things that they can watch. I think it's going to be probably an extended period where we're going to find ourselves in this situation. So um I think we'll get many more chances to have some other conversations about these kind of things. <laughs> Yeah, um, I have a massive queue on Netflix, and I have a feeling I'm finally going to have time to get through everything. There were a couple of series that I did not love. Um, oh, yeah, that's good the, to know. Um, like, I love the stay away from. I love the movie High Fidelity. I did not like the um, the Hulu series. I think that it just all it, it was basically just a retelling of it, and I think it was a little bit out of touch and. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's it's not as relevant as it could have been. They didn't modify it enough. Well, then I will give my series, and, and you already know this. You and I have already talked about this. The series that there's a lot of people that have been buzzing about it. I am not one of them. And it's the series The Witcher mm. on Netflix. I wanted to like it so badly. There are lots of things about it that I do like. And it's usually, you know, it's the superficial things like costuming and and hair and makeup and everything. Um there's some really there's some cool animatronics or some animatronics that aren't so cool, but there's some cool effects that are in there. Some of the stunt choreography is really good. Um and set design and everything, there's some really cool stuff in there, but as far as story goes and pacing I am just not a fan. I tried and I could not make it through the series. I watched it almost all the way to the end. And I just, I found that when I was trying to watch it, I ended up picking up my phone or doing something and I just lost interest and just like, well, I obviously don't care about this. So why am I watching it? Hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I was really disappointed that I did not like it as much as a lot of other people did. And I have a feeling that if I were familiar with the games or familiar with the books, that maybe I would have more of appreciation for it. But it to me, it feels like it's very much written for people who already have a familiarity mm. because I felt really lost and as if I jumped into the middle of something and some shows, um, even though you start out that way, they will end up going and kind of explaining things retroactively. They kind of like throw you into it and then they go through and things unfold and, and piece things together. Kind of like how Watchmen did. Um, it's a nice bookend that I've just built in right there. Um, but the, the Witcher has not done that. And I kind of hung through with it because I was hoping they would do that. And they haven't. Or it hadn't d done that. So I just kind of gave up. And it's like, I'm obviously not... This isn't... I'm not the person who this is for. They are not including outsiders mm. in with this. So I just gave up. I was kind of hot and cold on The Witcher as a series. There are some parts of it that I really enjoyed. There are other parts of it that I really didn't. Um, I, I just... I don't feel much for the characters, you know? Yeah. Um, which is yeah, a problem. That's what I mean. Stop caring. Yeah. Like, I feel like, I feel like Henry Cavill needs to just do a little bit more. Yeah. I found him very flat and very, just very one dimensional and boring. I did not find him dynamic at all. No. Mm -mm. And another one that I did want to mention is the, uh, series Dracula, the short term series, the limited series that was on Netflix that oh, I've uh, heard that's good. Moffat and Gaddis did. Um the, yeah. the first episode is terrific. The second episode has this really cool cliffhanger. The third episode is just not I, I did not enjoy it at all. It's weird mm. and it doesn't make a lot of logical sense. And to me, that just derailed the entire thing for me. Ah. Uh. Well, luckily, there's a lot of really good stuff that's out there, yeah. and we have just armed you with a lot of really good stuff and what to stay away from. Exactly. And then we'll have another Westworld yeah. recap coming up uh, here after the next yeah. episode. Yeah. So you guys have heard our thoughts on some recommendations for you guys as you are going through your self-isolation, social distancing, self-quarantine, whatever it's called. I've heard it called everything. Uh, but just make sure you are following all precautions and taking care of yourselves, washing your hands, being healthy, and, and doing all those things. But... We'd like to hear your thoughts as well. So what are your recommendations for things that we should be watching? You can let us know on Facebook and Twitter at NerdflixChill. You can also listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you're listening on one of those platforms, throw us a five-star review. You can find all of our new stuff at lrmonline.com. And while you're there, check out the network of podcasts. A lot of great stuff for you. So uh, we will be back with more uh, coming up very, very soon. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time, may the force be with you because the night is dark and full of terrors.